Goslings, hi! I know it's been some time because we're doing it monthly now, but welcome to the Smug Buds. It's me, your beloved host, Elizabeth Deanna Morris-Lakes, and I'm joined by my pod wife, my friend, my dear Will. Hi, Will. How are you? Hi, Liz. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm I'm so stoked that we're doing this episode, which I've been trying to figure out how to do forever, and I finally got mm. an angle. Have I mm-hmm. shown you these these overalls yet? No, I don't think so. These overalls, I I impulse bought. They were like eighty dollars. Sure, <laughs> but they were on sale, so I got them for a little bit less than that. But they have um, vegetables on them, so they have like turnips and carrots and tomatoes and mm-hmm. purple cabbage and onions and uh, Swiss chard and artichokes um, and like cut in half peppers and eggplant and uh they're this like i keep calling it like tent material Mm -hmm. like that not exactly canvas like um like it's not as like shiny as like what my tent is but it like Mm -hmm. is clear like it doesn't really absorb any moisture somehow Mm. And um, it has 14 pockets. And there were two wow. separate occasions where I discovered there was another pocket. <laughs> Don't you love that? Um, yeah. I uh, So, like, this part here, I didn't realize zipped initially. Mm-hmm. And there's another side zipper pocket that's, like, it's, like, on the bottom of the short, but it's, like, vertical. And I mm-hmm. that's the one I found today. I had originally counted the pockets and counted 13. And then today, Elliot asked me to count them, and there were 14. Big day for you both. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. How are you? Do you have any any old business? Because I don't. I don't think I do either. And the main reason I don't is because uh, we are recording this on Saturday, April 24th, which is the day before the airing of the Oscars. And so uh, we just can't talk about that yet. Yeah. So that will be old business for our May episode, if I remember, and if I have <laughs> anything to say about it. I'm sure I'll probably bring it up. Okay. Because um, I knew that the Oscars hadn't happened. Yeah. Uh, related to the Oscars, just this morning, I watched The Father. That was the last of the Best Picture nominees that I haven't seen or hadn't oh, seen. Oh, nice. Now I've seen How was all. it? Uh, it's very good. It's extremely sad. <laughs> of course. But it is not as melodramatic as perhaps it could have been mm-hmm. because it gives you a lot to think about. And that kind of mm-hmm. tempered my feelings in a good way because yeah. if my feelings were not tempered, I think it would have been overwhelming and saccharine yeah. and I would not have uh, thought it was so successful. But mm-hmm. I think it is interesting and successful, partly because uh, it gives you some some intellectual stimuli, and and also uh, because it's uh, uh, in a lot of ways the sort of cinematic language uh, of it is that of a horror movie. Oh, okay. Rather That's than interesting. In, in in a in a not in a uh, in your face kind of a way, but in a you know, uh, so a creeping uh, sort of subtle way. That's um, that's Kenny's, as we've discussed many times, sort of favorite part of horror is like the creepingness of it. The sort of that, like I would even like maybe describe it as like the sublime, mm-hmm. which like 
we don't norm which you know people think of as being like a positive thing but really is like sort of a all-encompassing terror mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah the father is an example of what i think of as like an actual horror movie like <laughs> the horror the horror is a horrific aspect of human life yeah uh rather than uh anything uh out of the ordinary or or supernatural yeah yeah and uh yeah it's also you know it's got it's got two nominated performances for a good reason there are uh, uh, uh excellent performances by an excellent cast uh so uh yeah watch it sometime if you don't mind uh crying a lot which i'm sure you would <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, don't mind crying most of the time. Though sometimes mm. I I do have to be like, I actually this is sad. <laughs> this is like actually sad. Um, not somebody that I knew, but um, one of my coworkers uh died this week of coronavirus. This, this week. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so you say coworker. Um, clo- you know how how close not are we so somebody somebody that I like saw all of the time, mm-hmm. like in the halls. And yeah. occasionally would like see him present at a meeting, and I knew who he was. Right. Um. But no, not somebody that I'm but super not close to. An everyday working alongside kind of collaborative coworker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's particularly hard because, and I, I don't even know if I mentioned this on the podcast when it happened, but like less than a year ago, the same general group lost another guy, not from coronavirus. You remember this? I do remember this. I and I was going to say this conversation feels familiar, and that's yeah. the that is the reason why. Yeah. So that guy just had a heart attack, but both of these people had been working at my job for like over twenty years, mm-hmm. and so it's like a lot of the people. So it's besides the fact that it's in like basically the same group. Um, they've now also just lost all of this like institutional knowledge too, right. which is right. like one of those things where it's like not the point and yet here these people's lives are going to be harder now like just in their day-to-day work life and it'll be this like terrible reminder as why their lives are harder Mm -hmm. um but he had his funeral not his funeral but his like work memorial Mm -hmm. thing like our like remembrance meeting or whatever the hell and i went to the I, i was a lot closer with the guy who died last year um he was like super nice to me um and would come talk to me about stuff he just thought was interesting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to his stuff. Um, but this guy, I was trying to figure out if I was going to go. And I finally just decided, you know what? I don't, I'm going to cry like a lot, right. even though I didn't know this guy that well. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to see my coworkers upset. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do that today. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, it's not like they needed me there or something. But with that many pockets in your overalls, you. <laughs> You can't you can't add that to the equation today of all days. Yeah, I was like, you know, I know that I can hide plenty of tissues, but do I want mm, to? Right. And would it be appropriate to wear that? <laughs> to wear, I did wear this to. Sometimes when I don't have meetings, I'll wear things like this if I know nobody's gonna see. Sure. Me. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, it's like it's, it sucks, you know. Yeah that's that was it wasn't like me it didn't make this week hard it just like was one of those things that was like oh right we're like in an active hellscape Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um it's funny how adaptable we and resilient we are 
not you and I specifically, but but people, humans, yeah, uh, and uh, and so yeah, sometimes it takes reminders sometimes of uh, how how hellish uh, conditions actually are. I th- I say all the time that we're so resilient and so fragile, like mm-hmm. we can. You know, I just think all the times that all the all the time about how like, you know, I created a human in my body and got him out of my body and it didn't break me. But I took a Mm -hmm. step down a damn stair and (laughs) couldn't walk. Yeah, that effed you up for a while. Oh, God. Yeah. Thank you Um, for bringing it back to a a sort of light comedic perspective, despite (laughs) the heavy subject matter. Um. So yeah, do you want to get into the episode? I'm happy to. Uh, should I say what your topic is? Yes. So for uh, about as long as we've been doing this, you have threatened, if I may say, <laughs> to do an episode about Degrassi. Is it Degrassi or Degrassi? It's Degrassi. De- it's Degrassi, right? Yeah. Like Nevada. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and, but it's, uh, that's such a huge topic. Yes. And so specifically what you want to talk about is a particular character from Degrassi, The Next Generation, mm-hmm. uh, the character called Paige. New year, new look, new Paige. I'm all ears. So um, I want to preface this whole episode by saying, giving a content warning that we are going to be speaking generally about sexual assault mm-hmm. um, because Paige was sexually assaulted. Um, and we're also going to bring up some of the other sort of heavy topics, um, just generally that happen in Degrassi. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, uh, that's not something you're in the mood for, uh, we'll see you in a month. Go, you know, buy some overalls and count the pockets. <laughs> yes. Hopefully it, they have 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your baseline for this besides that I've been talking about it for I... years <laughs> I think my my baseline. I texted you today. Yes. Uh, you you were texting me, r- r- sort of reminding me of what to watch or expanding on what you had sent me earlier. Mm-hmm. And I sent back, "Have you ever seen Wheels Ontario from Kroll Show?" Mm-hmm. Kroll Show was a sketch comedy show on Comedy Central, uh, created by Nick Kroll, and all of it was parodies of television shows mostly reality television shows but wheels ontario which was like a like they all were recurring sketches Mm. um was a parody of degrassi and my baseline is that when i first saw that i didn't get the joke at first Uh even though watching it re-watching it today it is so completely obvious well, and you know, but it's you funny. have to know, but you have to have the context. You yeah. have to know a little bit about Degrassi to get why they would write this material, which mm-hmm. is it is a very funny parody of Degrassi. Uh, and so that that's my that's my baseline is that I sort of I knew of its existence, but I never ever watched it. And yet, watching the episodes that you asked me to watch. I felt as if I had seen it before. And I don't know if it's just because of what I've heard about it from you mm-hmm. or because, in fact, in my life, I have seen an episode or two and yeah. just forgotten. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
So I was I watched the first like little um clip of Wheels Ontario by the way and I actually didn't think it was that good of a it actually didn't scream Degrassi to me in terms of like Okay, let let me be, let me be more specific. The 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 take of Wheels Ontario Yes. is in my opinion yes. it, it is what it is like to watch Degrassi as an American. Uh-huh. The joke is they the characters and everything in the environment of the show keep constantly reminding you that they're in Canada. <laughs> and Degrassi is Canadian. Yes, it is. And which is going to be actually important to this, And in Wheels Ontario, discussion. they they um talk about taking each other to the poutine dance. <laughs> yeah. And Nick Kroll just uh, who's playing a teenager entering a new high school just like fires off a line about how our national health service will pay for abortions. And <laughs> Which I, is also something we're going to be talking about today. I figured, yeah. That, that, like, that's the, that's the joke. The, the yeah. joke is not to be, the joke is not what SNL would do, which is just to take a scene from Degrassi and rewrite each line so that there was ostensibly a joke in it. Oh, yeah, the, no, the, I just, like, in, I guess if instead, I had seen that, if I had seen that, like, without having read that it was supposed to be a parody of Degrassi, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been like, this is a parody of Degrassi. <laughs> I think it is, uh, f- with my limited knowledge of Degrassi and rewatching it today, I think it is, like, beat for beat, like, it is a very good parody. They just made a funny choice. Yeah. Which is the joke is really that we dialed the Canada stuff all the way up. Mm-hmm. But but underneath that, there's also some stuff like in the way that the theme song starts and in the way that it says to be continued at the end of the sketch, yeah. uh-huh. uh, that it is like a faithful parody in some ways. OK, let me let me give you what is Degrassi? I have I have a multi bullet bullet point outline again today. Mm-hmm, please. <laughs> What is Degrassi? So Degrassi, I would describe as a Canadian teen drama. um, Or like dramedy, I guess. Because it's definitely supposed to be funny sometimes, too. Can I say soap opera? Sure, yeah. It it, it strikes me as being a soap opera aimed at children. Yeah. Or young adults. But I would say less... Because don't soap operas run like every day of the week with like a new episode yes but yeah i i yeah i'm 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 not saying in a in a one-to-one but yeah i think it's that's literally what it is but in in it in its sort of approach to narrative i actually wonder i've never actually looked up how degrassi is described by like like a wikipedia and because i actually was like how am i going to describe this it has soapy elements yes okay so if you just search degrassi it is described as a teen drama franchise so yeah that's Mm -hmm. yeah soap opera you know there's um it's it's a show that you know quote unquote tackles serious topics Mm -hmm. um but it's also a show that's for like teens so there's like you know being a teenager is funny because it's ridiculous so there's like lightness to it as well Mm-hmm. Um, there's pranks, there's misdeeds. Um, I 
this is like my favorite genre because <laughs> of like TV show. Okay. When I was in high school and junior high, I loved making fun of high schoolers. Uh-huh. That's why I loved this show so much when I was a kid. Is it seemed like I don't know why, but like Degrassi specifically seemed to like take itself like the appropriate it ta- feels like it takes itself the appropriate amount of serious and not serious at the same time. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Um and I think maybe this might have also been true that like I was one of the only people I knew that watched Degrassi. So it wasn't like Glee, where there were a bunch of people who watched Glee and they were like really annoying, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Okay. And people so that's, you knew personally or were you talking Yeah, about... like people I went to school with. Okay. And they'd be Glee? like, oh my God, did you yeah. see Glee? And I'd be like, no. Okay. Except I watched for that Glee one... for, we were, we were peers when Glee was on the air. Really? Did it last we... a long time? It did, but also I... Okay, here's how I remember Glee. Okay. (laughs) I remember Glee as a show that was on when I was in college. That's funny. I remember watching it mainly as a freshman, but I remember it being a fairly new show. Like, maybe it was in its second season. And there was at least a year or more... Where I watched You're it, right. Dana Glee. watched it, Sarah You're right. watched it. Glee, I don't know why I remembered Glee being in high school. You're right. It came out in 2009. Yeah. There were 121 episodes, though. There yeah, were a lot and, of I, episodes. and I stopped watching, but I think I made it like four seasons in before I stopped watching. Yeah, that would have been 2012, so. Approximately. Okay, then there were people I knew in college who watched Glee who annoyed me. <laughs> or maybe uh, it was they, people from high school who annoyed me, but it was online. And that's, that's why, that's why I was asking in person, because I thought you might have been thinking of people online um, or just forgetting that you were talking about uh, me and our friends. Okay, no, uh, no, no, no. You guys weren't annoying. It was like, it was these people that would be like, the people that annoyed me who talked about Glee were like people who were like, analyzing the way that they covered the songs yeah like the like theater kids that would be like oh my god they did such a good job or oh my god i can't believe they did it that way that's the best thing to talk about i remember i remember um uh gary fink um (laughs) speaking on glee really um that would or, be a show or, he would watch for some reason. and you'd Or be like, maybe it was, uh, I'm, I'm only half remembering this. Maybe it was Tom Bailey. I remember mm. being in a creative writing class where the professor was ex- expressing how baffled he was that Glee was a thing and it was popular. <laughs> and That sounds like more of I, a Tom thing than a Gary thing. Because Gary, I think, can understand why people would like music. Well, you would think, but I don't know. But and and I I was just like, it's a new jukebox musical every every week. Yeah, and that um, that's fun, and people like jukebox musicals. Yeah. So like, what is not to get? I can also understand not getting why a drama set in a high school would be popular with adults. Like yeah. that that yeah. I can understand, 
But if you're a professor and you're wondering why like your students are are, are like it, you know, maybe get a grip a little bit. Yeah, for sure. By the way, when I was checking the dates, I got a little notification and Dana messaged me. She I messaged know... both of us. Oh, yeah. she messaged both, both, both of us, yes. I know I watched up to junior year of college at least because in Scotland I tried watching it from a sketchy site that gave my laptop a virus. And then she just said, my Scottish flatmate was flabbergasted. Yes. I think she may mean... Just by liking the show and not, <laughs> not by the getting the virus part. Perhaps by her dedication to the point of getting a virus. Perhaps. But that was, I, I think, in my opinion, what was fun about the show was Glee was that it had some good jokes. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun to see what songs they would tackle and how they might do different spins on them. Yeah. And so that that was definitely a conversation starter. Yeah, I guess part of what I was trying to say was that like I didn't have to share Degrassi with anyone. Mhm. And so I didn't have to be annoyed by anybody who disagreed with the way I thought about it. Yeah. And even now like I like I know Degrassi was like wildly popular, but when I was trying to look up cuz it it went forever. Like the last season of the Degrassi that started with the Degrassi in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, the Degrassi: The Next Generation. What it was like two? It was like 2017. Yeah. Um, and it changed names a couple of times, but um, it might as well be Star Trek. Yes. For how many versions of it there are, and its longevity. And in fact, Degrassi: The Next Generation was a nod to Star Trek. <laughs> right, The Next Generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I want to say, too, that I have not watched, I have watched almost every episode of Degrassi starting from The Next Generation, but there's, like, some weird places sort of in, like, the last, like, I would say 75% of the way through, there's some weird places where I hadn't seen it because I was watching it, like, when they would post new episodes on like their website and then like I just forgot about it or something and then I sort of and then it was on Netflix mm-hmm. which I'll get to in a second and I watched that but before Degrassi the Next Generation and this is important was mm-hmm. three different series yep. the kids of Degrassi Street Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High and those were all like in the 80s right and those I bring those up because the very important thing that happened from those is that some of the characters from those shows are now adults in the Degrassi The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Most importantly is this character named Spike, who's uh, a woman that gets pregnant when she's like 14. Mm-hmm. And she decides to keep her baby. And that baby, Emma, is one of the original cast members of Degrassi The Next Generation. And like the first episode is about her. Right. Um the like pilot is about her being this like she's like always this like environmentalist activist person and she like is chatting with this boy online and then she goes to meet him and it's an adult man Mm. uh internet safety 2002 (laughs) yeah when was catfish um that was probably before catfish oh so so much before catfish um catfish I'm talking about the movie, to be clear. Yes, because I know that they then did a show. Yeah. No, you're you're right. It's uh, Catfish was not until 2010. Yes. And which, d- 
I was going to guess it was a few years earlier than that, but. And Degrassi, the next generation aired, um, first aired in, oh my God, there are 385 episodes of Degrassi, the next generation, I think 2002, but I can't actually find this information. Oh, 2001, I guess. Um, but it gets a little bit fuzzy. It was like late 2001, but it gets a little bit fuzzy because of Canadian versus American airing. Some notable- Can I, can oh, I sidetrack you with a question? Yes. Because you've watched so many episodes of this yes. series. Do you, as far as you recall, did they ever talk about 9-11 on the show? If they did, it wasn't like- a thing and that happened. It was not like a subject of an episode. It was a like moment of history. I think mm-hmm. it it says I did find it the first time it aired was October 15th of 2001. Mhm. So yeah. um I guess they I mean it's also Canadian so I don't know, but um that's a They didn't get 911 up in Canada, is that what you're implying? Yeah, they didn't they didn't get it up in Canada. They didn't get a Canadian 911. You know, they have a Canadian Thanksgiving, but um, some other notes about the original cast of Degrassi, the next generation. Uh-huh. There's another character who was from the original show, from the like eighties shows, mm-hmm. whose name is snake. Mm-hmm. He's now the computer teacher, but they call, they call the, they call this class media immersion, which is a class that maintains itself through the longevity of the show. Yes. This, this class called media immersion, where yes. they're always talking about new technologies. And this is one of my favorite things. It's so funny. Well, of course. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, the technology is, is one of the more entertaining aspects of watching anything from this era. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so far, so, so far we've had Spike. And we've had Snake. Yes. And these are different characters. Yes. And yeah. I will say, um, there's then a, there's a character named Joey who was from the original who shows up and another no, one. No, Joey's from Friends. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a Caitlin. They're not really important here. Um, the original, there's actually not that many nicknames in the Next Generation show. The one exception is this character Spinner, who does. We'll be talking about Spinner. Yes. Um, the the other notable thing is um, Aubrey Graham plays Jimmy Brooks. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Graham, better known as. I don't remember. Drake. Oh right, yes, I I knew that. I for, I had forgotten. So Drake sort of recently released a song, um, called "I'm Upset." When I say sort of recently, I mean within the past like three or four years, um, which was a Degrassi reunion. So he filmed it, the music video at mm-hmm. on the Degrassi set right. and brought back a bunch of the yeah. cast. Um, famously, uh, Jimmy Brooks, his character is um, a victim of a, a, a um, not a, I guess a victim of a school shooting, but he doesn't die. He's paralyzed. So he's in mm. a, a wheelchair um wheels ontario yeah (laughs) yes um and he um when let me like he he i feel like i want to spend one more moment on even though he's not really relevant to this episode which is that because i watched the show essentially from the beginning like i think i started watching it um before the first season was over even if i hadn't gotten access to it right away Mm -hmm. um 
I feel like I know Jimmy Brooks. Like, I feel like I know Aubrey Graham. And I have dreams about him, like, fairly regularly where I see him and I'm like, oh, hey, man, I haven't seen you in, like, so long. Mm -hmm. When Best I Ever Had came out, that song, I was literally like, oh, who sings this? And then, like, looked up the music video, as you know, I want to do. And I was like, Jimmy Jimmy Brooks is rapping now? Hmm. What the fuck? Because Mm -hmm. in the show, he does some, like, rapping and he's, like, very bad at it. Cool. Degrassi, The Next Generation, basically the way that they do it is each season, depending on which, you know, depending on where they are, because it switches, it shifts slightly. Um, each season either covers like a semester or like a year, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they like have community. A, yes. They occasionally have um, movies that were never, that were, that are just like, you know, longer things mm-hmm. um that happen in the summer usually um there were also um a lot of like webisodes and minis that they would play which is becomes important to what we're going to talk about sure um eventually they dropped the next generation and were just going by degrassi mm-hmm. um and then oh and so what happens is this core group of characters moves through school and then they can just keep like introducing new characters as they phase other ones out Right. Um, like Glee. Yes. And after The Next Generation, so this was coming out on CTV. So this was coming out on like the like Canadian main cable station or main like station. Mm-hmm. Not like cable, but like the Canadian station. Mm-hmm. And then Teen Nick or The End was airing it in the United States. Mm-hmm. And eventually ctv dropped it and netflix picked it up i think for three seasons and that was called degrassi next class Mm -hmm. that's the sort of baseline of like what we're dealing with here Mm -hmm. why did i want to talk about degrassi what is so special to me um the thing i want to talk about with degrassi my sort of thesis is that even though it's like a fun show and it's a silly show and it definitely, like I said, has mishaps and misdeeds and stuff like that. I think it's a show that holds up better than like any other show in this genre. In the genre. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. <laughs> because I think that it has had some writing that when it does have like subject matter that is very real to the audience, like things that the audience might be dealing with. It handles it with incredible care and with incredible um, love. Um, Now, does this mean they've handled every single subject well? No, we're going to talk about one in Paige's timeline that is like very fucking weird. (laughs) That said, I found a couple of articles, which I'll share with you. And it's one of those things where Oftentimes, because they opened the door even to thinking about things this way, um, you know, these actors have said, like, I've gotten, I've been getting letters for years that said, because you just even let me know this was a way I could think about it, I was able to, like, be myself more, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we know very well that there's a lot of shows that have and still do take these sort of like really high emotion topics and you know are either very restrictive or they'll sort of like you know maybe propose a thesis about like a good healthy way to think about it and then just sort of like undercut it at the end 
or they're forced to by the network, which is something we're going to be talking about too. Like a very important part about the show is that it's Canadian. Okay. Because that is how a lot of this stuff was able to happen. Right. So how are we going to do this? We're going to look at the arc, uh, the sort of mini arcs, the many arcs of one character, Paige Michaelchuk. So Paige is introduced iconically in the first episode. She's wearing like a very early 2000s little crop top like belly shirt and like a cute little pair of jeans. And she's wearing these like uh, rimless sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Ashley says to her, oh, Paige, you've like you look different or something like that. And Paige says very famously, new year, new look, new Paige. Yes. Paige, Paige's personality is like very um, Miss Piggy. Mm. And I say this in, like, the most loving way possible. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, to the point that her, like, she even uses, like, French sort of in a silly way. Sort of Mwah. like Miss Piggy will be like, mm-hmm. Um, She's very, like, she's blonde. She's the popular one. She's very outspoken. Um, she sees what she wants and she tries to get it. She's a, um, at least early, early on, she's, like, a little bit mean. Um... But never, like, and sometimes cruel, but never, like, to the point that you're like, oh, she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, She really fiercely loves her friends. Um, She's not that kind of, like, mean girl that's, like, playing her friends off of one another, really. Like, the people that she's mean to are people that she's just sort of, like, running into in the halls. And she's um a go-getter. She, like, starts the Spirit Squad, which is... They're cheerleaders, but they specifically go with Spirit Squad so that they're not cheerleaders because they want to be, like, a little bit different or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the first big arc that she gets is one of the, like, loudest, most, I think, memorable arcs of the whole show, Mm -hmm. um, which is when she is sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I had you watch this episode, and you watched this episode, right? Yes, part one of a two-parter. Yeah. You asked but- <laughs> me before we started recording, did I watch the episodes you sent? Yes, I, said, I sent you two episodes and then said, if you have time, watch like ten this 10 minutes of this other episode. So I said yes, and I also said that's the short answer, mm-hmm. and that I would give you the long answer on mic. Yes, please. And the long answer is, uh, do you remember when you did the music video episode uh-huh. and you compiled maybe conservatively 100 music videos <laughs> yes, uh, and offered them up to me to watch beforehand. And what did I do? I watched them at top speed. Oh, did you watch this fast? I watched it on, yes. I, well, it was all on YouTube, right? To be fair, I it's did not, not give you very much material. <laughs> it's not on Netflix anymore. Um, it's... Uh, it's enough. It's 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 enough. It, I mean, you. The baseline is zero material. That's typical for an episode of this podcast. <laughs> I gave you two twenty-minute episodes, and then said, of "If you Degrassi, have ten... the next generation." And then I said, and "It's twenty twenty-one, and I'm thirty-one oh years old." God. I watched them. I watched them at two times speed, uh-huh. and I did little skips when uh, there was like a B plot going on. Yes, which is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I watched the three episodes and I watched them in maybe under 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and also for the people listening, all of Degrassi The Next Generation is on YouTube. And that rules. That's how I've been rewatching all of it. Sure. And the next class, of course, is still on Netflix because it was a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. So this is this is this is where we are with Paige. So Paige, I guess now is fourteen. At this point, it's season two. Um, it starts out with them in junior high and transitions them into being in high school, and then we just stay in high school for the duration of the I'm series. I'm pretty sure in the second episode you had me watch. She says, "I was 15." Okay, so she's 15. referring to the events of the first episode you had me watch. Yes. Um, so she's 15. And this episode... So let me go through what happens in the episode. So in the episode, Paige is on the Spirit Squad. And it starts... They're watching a soccer game. Football game, they might say. Mm-hmm. In Canada. I actually yes. don't know what they call it in Canada. <laughs> um, and there's this character, Dean, that she has her eye on. And I want to talk really quickly about the casting of Dean because I think that this is something really interesting they did. So pretty much all of these characters at least start out the ages that they're playing mm-hmm. when they're playing them. Mm-hmm. So some characters, like depending on how long it takes them to get through. So like Spinner's character is on for like so long. He's like, I think, the the original cast member that's on the longest. Mm-hmm. And he clearly at some point is playing older than he's supposed to be on the show. I'm so surprised. I, lo- I look at that actor and that character and I think, man, this guy's going places. I can't, I can't believe that he stuck around for so long that he wasn't pulled away to an illustrious movie career. Well, and you know, that's the other thing too is like a lot of these actors and actresses, you know, they are teenagers. So a lot of them mm-hmm. don't stay in acting because, and they never really planned to, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's something that they're doing as a young person and they move on. Um, there's a character um, like Emma's Emma's actress um, is a real like a realtor now. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the actor who plays Snake um, was and un- ended up being a producer on the show. So he he stayed around. Cassie Steele, who plays Manny, um, was originally the voice of Raya in Raya and the Last Dragon. Originally. And then she was replaced by Kelly um, Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. I don't know why, but she did some um, she did some publicity for it before. Mm. Like that's how that's how in it she was. It wasn't like oh they cast her and they recast her. Like she was doing pub. pub why can't I say that word? <laughs> Your she name was doing is press conferences. <laughs> speaking speaking of Kroll Show, there's a recurring sketch on Kroll Show called Publicity. <laughs> <laughs> where Nick Kroll and Jenny Slate play two publicists named Liz. That that rules. That's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I appreciate that because I think you know if you look at like a show like Riverdale. And I don't, but go on. That's like another teen drama, right? Uh, I mean, yes, technic technically yes. I, I yeah, w- I would say that they that the. Degrassi and Riverdale are not playing in the same league. Oh, no. Um, but I just mean, like, all of those actors and actresses are significantly older than being in high school. Sure. I assume, yes. Um, and something I like about Degrassi is that those kids are kids, and yeah. then they grow and change as the as right. the seasons go on. Mm-hmm. 
like Drake specifically, like Aubrey Graham's character, Jimmy Brooks, looks so goofy in the first season. And then he like really grows into his body and he's mm-hmm. not the like terrifyingly strong man that Drake is now where you just see him and it's like, oh my God, he's on muscle. Okay. Um, so in terms of the casting, mm-hmm. um, Paige and Spinner, who are like the sort of main characters in this episode mm-hmm. um, besides Dean. Are, you know, like 15. Um, yeah. And the person that they cast to play Dean is two years older, which is how old, how much older he's supposed to be in the um, show, too. Yes. And he, the character that they picked looks older. And he looks more intentional. He looks like he's figured out his, like, style more. Um, like, he Spinner looks, just looks, like, so goofy. He looks like if our main characters are in high school... Dean looks like he could be in college already. Yes. When I guess he's supposed to be a senior. He's a senior. So the idea is like he's going to college next year, which is what ends up happening. Yeah. um, Later. Um, Right. But I really appreciated the casting of that because I think that they did a really, I think they do a lot of really good visual stuff with Paige's episodes, specifically with the assault stuff. Um, And so... She sees this guy. She's like, that's who I want. I'm going to get him. Mm-hmm. She and Spinner have sort of been like flirty. and But she's like, no, Spinner's a goofball, which he is. I'm going for Dean. Mm-hmm. After the, the soccer game, a couple of really important things happen. Mm-hmm. The first is that Spinner's like, I'm asking Paige out. I won the game. He like, like shot the winning goal. He's like, I won the game. Mm-hmm. This is when I go for it. Yes. Paige like is me, like... Like me on the night Barack Obama was elected president. <laughs> that was my winning goal. Yes, it was. You, and you know, you really did that all yourself. Hey, it was the first time I voted. <laughs> I didn't hurt. Based on my age, I was the appropriate <laughs> age to be voting for the first time. I like the idea that you were like, once I was in the game, there was no stopping me. Hey, I, I, I moved from New York to Pennsylvania, and then I voted. <laughs> and by the way, later, I moved to Ohio, and I voted mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, P.S., I live in Arizona now. Mm-hmm. That's right. I vote here now. Mm-hmm. What went blue recently? Just saying. <laughs> right. They have this interaction where Paige basically lies and says, I was going to hang out with you, but I can't hang out with you because I, my grandma's sick. And so this is a lie because she's going to go to a party that Dean's throwing. Yep. She goes out with Hazel. She gets these shoes, right? She's like, I wanted these shoes. She's like, I'm going to look so hot in these shoes. Mm. Um, Hazel's her friend. Yes. Um, They get all dolled up. They're looking sexy as hell, right? They're like ready for this party. 15 year olds. Yep. Yes. They are feeling fly, feeling good about themselves. They show up at the party. Um, it's 2002. It's yeah. Maybe. It's loud. There's music playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cell phones like barely have text messaging. Right. People barely have cell phones. She's like flirting it up with Dean, flirting it up with Dean, flirting it up with Dean. Um, she like has a couple missteps, but she like brings it back. And who shows up at the party? But Spinner. And Spinner's friend. Jimmy Brooks. I think ah, it's Jimmy. 
was is it i i wouldn't recognize drake if i saw him so you so you can tell me that and i cannot verify i think i think he shows up with jimmy because he and jimmy are best friends okay um in the i'm upset music video um as a side note it starts out with drake like trying on a suit at like a very expensive suitery that's Mm -hmm. not the word no wait sure (laughs) and it suddenly after maybe 15 or 20 seconds cuts to someone coming through a dressing room in a suit say you know in the sort of motion of like how do i look and that person is spinner it's Mm -hmm. the character who plays spinner mason and that's when you know what the music video is going to be Mm -hmm. because they're best friends yes which i i thought was it's just it's it's a really sweet music video to watch honestly i'm sure it is at this moment Paige is like i'm here to get dean I can't be seen by Spinner. Yep. I'm going to try to get Dean to take me upstairs. Right. Which she does. To hide from Spinner. To hide from Spinner. And also because she wants to get with Dean. So she sort of has to hasten this along. Right. Right. There's no more flirting openly. She's got to get out of the way and she's got to make her move. Right. They get upstairs, start making out. She's like so happy. Like you can see how happy she is. She's like, I saw what I wanted. I went for it and I got it. I win. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to get too much into this uh, because I don't want to upset anybody, but they start kissing. She says, slow down. He doesn't. Becomes very clear that he's going to try to have sex with her when he takes out a condom. And it pans from the assault with you hear her saying, uh, no, I said no, stop. Right. So it's the next day. She's very upset. Um, and this is where I start, I think they start doing some really incredible things that they didn't have to do. Mm -hmm. And by didn't have to do, I mean like, you know, a lot of other shows aren't representing things this way, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that at first Paige is just like not totally sure what happened. So Hazel knows that she went upstairs, you know, her friend Ashley and Hazel are like sort of bothering her about it. She's not really responding and um she's just like shut up like i'm busy i'm trying to read and spinner comes up to her and is like i know you were at this party and he's reacting like they are two people in high school he hears it from drake yes he hears it from drake drake overhears it from Paige and hazel Mm -hmm. drake spills the beans to spinner Yes. Which allows Spinner to confront Paige. And Paige slaps him in the face and goes into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Hazel follows after her. And basically, she's like, I said no. And Hazel's like, what? (laughs) And immediately, Hazel says, this isn't your fault. You said no. And part of what is so incredible about this whole thing is that Paige is not the likable victim, right? Mm -hmm. She was, quote-unquote, asking for it. She even says, like, I wanted everything to be perfect. I I wanted those shoes, right? Yeah. She describes how she, you know, set up the situation. Yeah. She was wearing specific clothes. She flirted with him. She went to his house party. She's the one that said to go upstairs. And Hazel up front says, none of this is your fault. 
you said no. Right. Um, this might be an edit point or it might not, um, depending on the answer to my question. Is there is there a reason why you're not using the word rape, which they use in the show? Oh, no, I don't. I guess I just wasn't. I don't know why. Because I thought what was important about that scene is Hazel says in very specific no, no, yes, she also terms. says, like, that's rape. You're she right. She says, if you said no, then he raped you. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, Paige wants to deny that. But, you know, that it, that's part of the confrontation between these two characters. Is You're totally right. I don't know that why. Reality. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so the sort of second half of that two part episode, which I didn't have you watch, because that's when it gets back into sort of like silly Degrassi. Well, you yes, and you say gets back, but also since you said that, I this is the moment that I will take to say that the episode that we have already been talking about, mm-hmm. which you did have me watch, mm-hmm. has a B plot yeah. about two young boys who have to share a locker, <laughs> oh, and yeah. one of them is neat and the other one is messy. <laughs> yes, well, and honestly, but they had to have that B plot, didn't they? In the rape episode? Yeah. <laughs> Hmm, did they have to? Um, I would say perhaps they had to offer something lighter. Yes. But perhaps there are other ways of doing that. So I guess what I mean is when I say Silly Degrassi is they're handling a serious topic in a way that feels a little silly to me. Like, I feel like a lot of high school shows, something I love about high school shows is that everything can be solved through writing a song, doing a fundraiser, having a dance. So is there something wrong in the, in the second part of that two-parter that you didn't have me watch? Is there something they do it's, that you don't like? It's, well, it's not that I don't like it. It just felt less important to me, and I know that you don't care about this. <laughs> well, but I'm, I, look, I'm. You're a fan of this show going back many years. Yes. I have n- nothing to do with this show. If if there's any part of it that I'm most curious about, it's what they fucked up and, <laughs> and like what's bad about it. But that's not my thesis, Will. Well, okay. Sorry, sorry. Sorry to side. So what, what happens in the second episode is, um, and th- there is an important part here, is basically there's a talent show at the mall (laughs) and which it has to be at the mall instead of at Degrassi and I'll tell you why in a second Mm -hmm. and Ashley who's the sort of like goth artsy person she gets more goth like she's not goth in the first season but now by now she's goth yes um she and this girl Ellie who self-harms and Paige are in this band called PMS Mm mm-hmm and they, um, Ashley's been doing research on rape. Okay. I put in quotes. And she's written this song. And Paige loses her shit. Mm-hmm. Of course she does. Because she's just been sexually assaulted. And I think at one point she says, like, you can't write about something that you've never experienced. Right. Um, in this way. Mm-hmm. And they are not going, Paige, like, is like, we're singing a different song at the talent show. I'm not singing this song. They get to the actual talent show, which is, again, at the mall, mm-hmm. and Dean is there yeah. by happenstance. Right. You know, small Canadian town. Yeah. 
And um, when she sees Dean in the crowd, she sings that song instead. Uh, uh Now, the conclusion to this episode, which is important, is that it's at that point that Paige says, I need to tell an adult that this happened to me. Report it. Yeah. And so she tells Miss Sauve, who's the counselor. Mm -hmm. And um, Miss Sauve you know, the, the question of whether or not they're going to press charges is in, up in the air for a while. She doesn't want to right away. Right. But now she's seeing the school therapist about this. So that's mm-hmm. good. So that's like the first episode. The first sort of like part of this arc. Right. Um, which I think that they handle really well. Because, like I said, I'm not saying that they did the most meaningful thing. But this is a show that teenagers and young people are watching. Mm-hmm. And in a world where we know how pervasive rape culture is even now, here's this one person who was very clearly assaulted, who did everything wrong, quote unquote, like should have been able to prevent their assault, Mm -hmm. being told this isn't your fault. Right. But it's not just the two episode arc that makes this arc so important. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that this follows her. And in fact, when they went into this arc, I found this article about this, which I'll put in the show notes. They said to to um, Lauren Collins, who plays Paige, this isn't going to be a single episode. It happens, it's done, it's never come up again. Because they know that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that, much like it would in real life, the trauma of this follows her over the next few seasons. Right. So the next sort of time this comes up um, is something I didn't have you watch because it's less important, which is that because there's about 20 students that go to each of these schools, which I didn't, I, you, you wouldn't have seen any of this, but anytime they have a graduation episode, it looks fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there were 10 people in this class. Right. <laughs> where's everybody else because there's like 20 people in each classroom when they're in a classroom setting why are there only 10 people graduating Mm -hmm. and like literally it's in like an auditorium where there's like maybe 30 people yeah and so because of this everybody plays every sport and so it's basketball season baby and dean's on the team (laughs) dean is on dean goes to another school though right dean is on the basketball team right that they're going to be playing playing against right got it in like some sort of finals or championship mm-hmm. and Paige, if you remember is on the spirit squad yeah and so the short version of what happens is that kid uh that ha- had to share the locker who cut the sleeve off his name's jt he's this like little guy the messy one yeah the messy one um he's got this big crush on Paige, which is like not gonna happen but he's the mascot yes and um Paige basically starts having panic attacks because Dean is around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that character Manny, um, played by Cassie Steele, she's starts flirting with him. Paige tries to like warn him, like which is another thing. Like this, this concept of like a whisper network comes up. Warn her. Yeah, warn her. Manny's basically like, "No, you're just jealous that he's paying attention to me," and she's like, "Oh no." Um, and you can see that she's really affected by the fact that this, this guy who hurt her in this really like specific way is there. Eventually she 
um, admits to JT what he did and JT like tries to beat him up. And then at this point, Spinner finds out because now she and Spinner are dating. Mm-hmm. Spinner finds out and then he tries to beat up Dean. Sure. Um, not the best response. Um, but, and I'm going to get to this later. I think it goes, I, th- I think something else that they do really well in this this is how they have the other students react to this information. Mm-hmm. But I'll, we'll talk about that more with the last part. And so it's at the end of this arc that she decides she's going to press charges. Mm. And Miss Sauvé basically says, I just want to let you know, like when you press charges, it's better if you do it earlier because it's there's more evidence. And she decides like morally and like she has to press charges. Right. So that's season three. Season four. What happens in season four? I re-enter because you asked me to watch both parts of a two-parter. Yes. Which is when they go to court. Yes. So they go to court. And um, this is another time that I think they do something like really great with the styling. So again, you have Dean who's like, he's now he's a freshman in college. It also... um, comes up that like Dean is like has a fair amount of wealth. Um, so Paige isn't poor by any means, but um, class does show up semi-regularly in Degrassi and Dean the, clearly has a lot of money. I was skipping through the non-Page parts, uh-huh. but obviously I couldn't do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the B plot in this two-parter seemed to be about a teenage boy who gets an inheritance? Yeah, Craig and spends a lot of money on a guitar. So Craig, I won't. I mean, I'm not going to get too much into Craig, but Craig, um, Craig's mother, um, had him left her husband and then ended up with that Joey character, and they had a child together. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: the child is played by Cassie Steele's real little sister. Okay. Um, and then Craig's father was abusive and he ends up dying. Um, he, so basically Craig's ends up through one way or another living with Joey because his father's abusive and then his father ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And so this plot and Craig too is, um, later diagnosed with bipolar. And so he's like this, he's like another really interesting character where he has mental illness and, um, seeing him deal with his mental illness, but also his like grief and trauma they're like they compound upon one another uh-huh. um is really interesting but yeah in this episode he gets his it's his birthday and he gets a, a ten thousand dollar check that he's going to be getting ten thousand dollars every year um but his uh stepfather because it was his mother's mm-hmm. um husband before he she died uh is a car salesman and isn't doing so great. And so when Craig buys this very expensive guitar, it's complicated. Right. Um, so what if, what if your dad had to ask you for money? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also complicated because, you know, he gets this money and his first reaction is to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And his, Ashley, who has been his ex-girlfriend and now isn't. And we'll, we're going to be talking about Craig in a little bit, too. Um for something that you don't know about. She's basically like, hey, I'm back. And um, we should just like spend this money for fun. <laughs> and he's like, cool. And then that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the B plot to that episode. 
Yeah, this first episode is actually like pretty those those first two episodes are like both pretty heavy. Like the B plot, like the B plot is definitely the Craig thing, and that's not like a light topic. It's mm-hmm. like very complex. Mm-hmm. So they go to trial. Paige is like looking as professional as possible. She's looking very early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um Dean has this very fancy yellow sports car that he rolls up in yep. with his parents. And um, Paige testifies and they do that thing where um, they she basically the, the person prosecuting her or questioning her basically says, like, you asked for it. You know, you were wearing this. You wanted to do this. Do you think he's they asked they asked this question, which is like it still haunts me. And I'm sure that this has happened. She says, do you find him attractive? Mm-hmm. And she's like, not clearly not expecting that this is going to be something she's going to have to answer. And she says, like, yes. And then, you know, she asks, like, did you like it when he was kissing you? And she's like, well, I did it first. And then basically says, like, how many people have you slept with? Like, are you a, like, she's basically in coded terms saying, like, so how slutty are you? And her, her lawyer says, you don't like, we're like objection. And Paige goes, no, I'll answer that. Um, and she's, she says, this was my only experience and basically stands up for herself. Right. And then of course, as we can expect, it's, he's not found not guilty. There's no physical evidence. There's no witnesses. This is, this is the problem, right? This is the pro this is the, 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 the twofold problem here. Right. Let's not gloss over that the show is Canadian mm-hmm. and this gives us a glimpse into the Canadian oh, yes. court system. <laughs> yes. Where they are dressed very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a shot of the judge where the shot is framed so that right beside the judge, you see on the wall a giant framed portrait of Queen Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And later, too, Miss Sauvé says the, the legal system is sometimes flawed. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit diluted (laughs) and i almost skipped past this but i swear there's a part in one of these season four episodes where the computer teacher you were talking about who is also snake am i following you okay so the computer teacher snake media immersion but yeah uh he um chastises craig for eating fries and gravy at a school computer (laughs) i don't know Hey, that's possible. That sounds possible. I swear he says the words fries with gravy. <laughs> yeah, that's So possible. watching this side by side with the Wheels Ontario sketch was delightful for me because I was just you know like, what? I get it. And it's funny too because the, the Canadian stuff only really, when you're watching like a bunch of episodes, it shows up when they say about, which yep. isn't really a boot. It's more like about. about. And when they say sorry, sorry. which... Paige really says it really heavy. She's and she, like, sorry. And it comes up, I believe, in like the first two minutes of the first episode you had yeah. me watch. That's possible. Oh, also wanted to bring up the first, I think it's meaningful to point out that the first episode of season four, when Paige shows up, she says, new year, new look, new Paige again. Because so, this is the moment that she's going to trial. So this is not an every year thing. No, this it only a... happens twice that okay. I know of. Got it. Um, I'm sure that there's somebody. If it happens again, it's in a different context. It's like later, and it's like sure, very much a joke at that point. Uh huh. 
Um, something I will say that I think is so funny, though, is it's so funny to me that they introduced this character. Yes. By saying new year, new look, new page. It's very we have funny. We've never seen yes. her before. <laughs> a character you are being introduced to who you've never seen before. The way you're introduced is their friend saying, you look different. Yeah. <laughs> and we never see different what she used to look Different from what? Like. She's very upset about this. Mm-hmm. And I actually forget how that episode ends. Yeah. Like what the beat is that it ends on. Um, I'm trying to remember now. It's after the not guilty verdict. Yeah. I think it's really shortly after that. Like, I don't think that there's like another whole scene after that. So, yeah, I think it does end with the um, the court thing. And I think it's also important to note that the judge says that the like this sort of testimony keeps her up at night and that she thought Paige was very brave, which I think is also an important sort of note. Mm hmm. And then there's part two, which I also love. And this is something that I, this is where I want to talk about, like, the other students and how they're reacting to this information. Mm-hmm. So way back in season two, we have Hazel, who had the sense of mind to say, this isn't your fault. And I think that it's important, something that I think that the show is doing with some topics is that they do a good job of showing the way that certain people would react to things while not having that be what the... It's very clear that that's not what the show thinks of those things. Mm -hmm. So everyone does not know how to deal with Paige. And I think that... And and Paige's assault. And I think that that is very true to what would happen and what happens when young people are assaulted... And then they are around their friends, their peers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they're not, nobody's equipped to deal with it. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting then to see her friends at this party after this verdict. um, Because they're still working in this high school mode where it's like something bad happens. So we will write a song, have a fundraiser, go to a party, have a dance. Like that's how we solve the problem. Right. And Paige is not there. And Paige has a bit of a meltdown in this episode. Oh, sorry. I need to backtrack to the first episode of this two-parter really quick. Mm -hmm. The other important thing to note in this episode is that Spinner has purchased a car from Joey. Yeah. And um, he and Paige were fooling around in the car and she essentially had a panic attack. Right. Because she remembered, was she was being triggered. I think this is the word the place for the word triggered um, by her assault. Um, So, you know, we go, it's now nighttime. There's a party. Marco shows up. Marco's a great character. He's gay. Um, And he's dating Paige's older brother, Dylan, who's in college. Right. And so he's like, you don't have to come, but like, just come be with us because we're your friends and we love you. Uh, is this not like you should get over it, which I think is the other. This is what I mean when I say like these characters don't really know what to do, but they also don't they aren't they don't downplay what she's experiencing ever, which I love. So like he doesn't say like you should just get over it and come party. He says we're like, you know, we're your friends. Come be with your friends and your brother. So she's like, I'll be down in a second. <clears throat> and I mean, I guess it's really obvious. I mean, I know it's obvious. 
But I still think it's one of those things where, like, if you're a teenager, this is maybe the first time you're, like, experiencing something like this, which is that the way they dress Paige in this episode is completely different than how they normally dress her. She's in, like, a sort of normal pair of jeans, a zip-up hoodie, she's not really wearing any makeup, and her hair is tied back in a ponytail. So she looks out of place at a party where everybody's a little bit dressed up because it's, like, a Friday night. She's sort of, like, miserable at this party. You know, they're playing pool. Um, it's at, like, Dylan's dorm, so there's, like, you know, Jimmy's there with Hazel, um, you know, Marco's clear there because he's dating Dylan, that they're all spinners there, they're all hanging out. She, like, is getting really overwhelmed and overstimulated, and then something snaps, and she, without really saying anything, goes through a whole mess of (laughs) emotions, starting with, It becomes very clear, very obviously, that she feels like, well, if I'm a slut, I might as well act like a slut. So she's dancing. Um, You know, they can drink (laughs) a little bit younger. She's still too young, but they they can drink at a younger age in Canada. So there's alcohol in this dorm, which is fine for most of those people. She does a tequila. She, a dude does a tequila shot where he like licks the salt off of her neck and takes a lime out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. Spinner at this point sees her and is so upset. Right. And this is another moment where, like, he's not equipped to deal with her. Mm-hmm. But she's basically, she starts trying to make out with him, and he's like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and she clearly is like, doesn't know who she is anymore. It's this, I think, really great representation of seeing somebody who's experienced something so terrible not even knowing how they're supposed to act because they can't recognize themselves in anything Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways we don't recognize Paige either right because they've physically dressed her in this way that is antithetical to everything we know about her right Mm -hmm. and so Spinner who this is another thing where it's like Spinner doesn't know how to deal with it but the show still makes it clear that they're coming from a place of love. Spinner's reaction to her, like trying to get with him isn't to be like, Oh, is this like, do, are we finally doing this? It's to be like, no page. You're clearly not in a place to be doing this right now. Talk to me about what's happening. You know, we never said that you're this way. Why do you think this is what's happening? Right. Mm -hmm. She like breaks up with him. You know, they're both clearly upset. He leaves and she takes his keys. And at this point, Spinner is just like, he, he's like done with the situation. And so what does Paige do but go to Dean's fraternity where she knows he's pledging? She like lies to get in. The The guy's like, are you even 19? Who's like at the door. And she's like, um, I'm 20 actually. Just short, she says. Yeah, but sh- I'm just short. <laughs> do, do you remember what she says about why she belongs in the party? Uh, because Steve. Steve. Steve <laughs> invited her. Steve, yeah, Steve joke, is waiting name. for her in there. And she describes him as like a cute, like the t- like the cute one. Second which is year, like a ho- I think she says. Yeah. Which is a hilarious way to describe just like any person. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dean is pledging. So he's the one working the bar. And she starts yelling. He's like you know, I'm not guilty. Get out of here. She starts yelling that he's a rapist and he takes her outside. And then they have this, this, and this is where it's like, this is something that should never happen. And I hope that it doesn't, but this is TV. So it's happening. 
they have this insane conversation where she's like clearly not over it and she's like you know there's been no justice you hurt me you raped me and he's like yeah i did and it's this like knife through the whole thing right like we know this the whole time but to hear him say it is like just like breaks the whole thing in half Mm -hmm. and then he says something like i must have done something if i keep getting punished but i like i I, he doesn't say exactly this but he says something like i must have been pretty good if you keep coming back yeah which is horrifying yeah he says uh yeah i did it she's like so you admit it like you know Mm -hmm. you did something wrong and he says i must have done something wrong you keep punishing me so Mm -hmm. much and then he also says but i also know i must have done something right because you keep showing up yeah basically he says and so the when he says yeah i did it that is kind of like undercut like a moment later sure when he's like well based on how, how based on your behavior i must have i guess i must have done something wrong so there's kind of like a sarcasm as opposed think, to like a full on yes. like Disney villain, like yes, I did it, and like I got Scar away with being it like, too. By the way, I Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. murdered Mufasa. You know yeah. what are you going to do about it? Which is another Scar way that they could have gone. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I totally missed that. What I said, it's like Scar. Scar yeah. at the what end the is like by. Said? I said he would have gotten away with it too if, if it he wasn't hadn't for been those like meddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> If it weren't for him saying, by the way, I killed your dad, uh-huh. and then Mufasa being like, oh, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Simba, yeah. Simba, like, oh, it wasn't my fault that Mufasa's dead. So what does Paige do? She loses her mind and slams Spinner's car into uh, Dean's car. In reverse, by the way. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. I, I love that. I love it's... that she... It's because I think what happens is she is going to, she's parallel parked. Mm -hmm. And so she's going to pull out and like turns around and sees his car. And that's when she decides that she's going to do it. It happens to be behind her car, not her car, but the car she's driving. Yeah. But she also like could have like made a U-turn and like slammed (laughs) into it. But she does something which is weirdly responsible, Mm -hmm. which is that she, she, rear she 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 reverses into the back of his car so that yes in a car crash like almost no other two rear ends uh, <laughs> collide with each other yeah yeah it's a double rear end it's like at the end of um oh what's that very sad movie don't I say I requiem for a again. dream do, i was gonna do, say do, requiem for a dream <laughs> That's not okay. That's that's honestly on another level than anything else we've said on this podcast. I can never watch that movie again because it made me so upset. I hope I never watch that movie again. It's terrible. I can't even tell you that it's terrible or not because I've seen it one time when I was 17. Take my word for it. It's not good. Yeah. Okay. So... She wrecks the car. Spinner has found her at this point because Hazel had been like, I'm worried about Paige. I can't find her. Spinner goes looking. He figures, I don't know how exactly he figures out where she is. 
Um, but she's like, he's like, ah, and he's like, Paige, get a cab and go home. And there's this great, like, there's this great little, like, is interstitial the right word here? This, like, very tiny scene of her, like, getting a cab, getting home, and, like, looking at herself in her vanity mirror. Mm -hmm. And she's just, like, something has shifted, right? Mm -hmm. So the next day... She goes to school. Spinner's clearly upset. Spinner gets arrested. Yeah. And he says, he calls her from the police station and says, I said I did it. I've seen you be through enough and I don't see any reason to put you through more. Right. And um, she realizes, and she has this meeting with Miss Sauve where Miss Sauve says, the counselor says, um, you know, you've triumphed over your rapist um by speaking the truth and she's like yeah cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she goes to the police station to turn herself in and uh is wearing this like very hilarious early aughts pink mesh off the shoulder shawl Mm -hmm. and her hair is like actually like her hair now and Dean's at the station, and he's furious, and he says, uh, your boyfriend is dead. And she basically now, so, like, when we're talking about power structures, right? So, like, in the night before, when she came to, you know, talk to him, um, even if he undercuts his own admission, right, he's completely in control of the narrative, right? So mm-hmm. he can say that he did he did it, and then he can undercut it by saying, basically, like, whatever he wants because he's still completely in power Mm -hmm. and this is the point where that narrative has shifted page is like uh hey sorry to tell you but i did it and he basically says well like i'm gonna get you like the law is gonna get you or whatever and she's like i'm going to turn myself in right i'm the one in control now even though i did this thing and i'm gonna get in trouble i'm the one that's gonna get myself in trouble not you Mm mm-hmm he says, I'm not done with you. She turns around and says, you know what? Well, I'm very done with you. And um, she turns herself in. And this arc, this whole arc. And the, and there's also like a scene where she like sort of makes up with Spinner. And he's not like, it's not like he's just like, he's not vengeful, which I appreciate. But he is like, you know, you still hurt me. And she says that she's going to get a job. She says that, you know, she wants to be with him and she, she genuinely apologizes and they get back together. Um, but this whole arc, again, I I still haven't seen something like this. Um, in a, in, you know, I watch teen dramas fairly often and I still haven't seen something that approaches it this way. Um, and I think that, that's part of the reason why um, I love the show so much and why I, I end up, you end up loving Paige too, a character that is not likable from the beginning. Okay. Yes. So what I think I hear you saying mm-hmm. is that what is remarkable about this whole arc mm-hmm. and this part of this one show uh, is that it, it, does a narrative of about this topic 
in a way that you don't see other shows do, mm-hmm. even though you've watched other shows that easily could have based on the type yeah. of show that they are. And I'm trying to put my finger on what is unique about it. I definitely heard you loud and clear when you said, like, Paige is not the typical victim. Because yeah, she's th- not the most likable not and not the most sympathetic uh, of characters at the start. Mm-hmm. So, like... So that's different. That's part of it. I think it's that they take the lasting effects of it so seriously. Uh-huh. So this, again, this is over three seasons. Right. And it, it comes up later, too. It's just, like, not a major mm-hmm. episode point. Yeah. You know, it's not, like, the the A-plot of the episode. Right. Um, But then it's also the way in which the other students are reacting to and trying to support Paige, even in their failings. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kenny said earlier, he was like, when they fail, it's not because they're malicious. It's because they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. And like, this is like a very different show, but I think it's a good example. Um, and I haven't watched the show, but like just knowing the um, plot points, I think it's a good example, which is that show 13 Reasons Why. Uh-huh. Which is about somebody who's assaulted and then dies by suicide. Right. And that show is looking purely at this assault. And it's this like, and yet it's this like, everybody hate like not everybody hates the show. Everybody who's looked at the show critically that is coming at it from like a self-harm perspective and a sexual assault perspective is like, they did all of this wrong. Right. Like, all of this is not good and mm-hmm. not helpful to people. Yes. Um, I think also something that I like about Degrassi is, like, I've picked out this one arc to talk about first, um, but it's one arc of many arcs. And so clearly things are going to be higher tension and more condensed because it's a 22-minute block and because it's a TV show. Um, but these are all... These are mostly the, the things that happen to the characters in Degrassi are very often things that very likely could have happened or did happen to people that you know when you're a teenager. Right. There's some outlandishness for sure. We're about to get to something incredibly outlandish. Okay. But um, the parts that need to be taken seriously, I think, are are handled with a care mm-hmm. that isn't the same in other shows that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did you want to get to next? Okay. So the other great thing about Paige as a complex character is Paige is the first bisexual in Degrassi. Okay. And this is how we find out that she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So this is something that I could have had you watch these episodes, but I wanted to tell you, and maybe I'm assuming you haven't run into this. Do you know who's the biggest fan of Degrassi? Like a real life person? No, not off the top of my head. Kevin Smith. Yes, I did know that. I did. I did, okay. in fact, know that. Yes. Uh, it's been a while since I've thought about that. <laughs> but there was a solid few years where I was 
very in the pocket for Kevin Smith, uh, mainly as a podcaster. And yeah, that makes sense. Sec- and secondarily as a as a filmmaker. So, um, as a filmmaker, watch, did you ever watch Veronica Mars? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I know I there, probably should. There, are, there's not one but two people who make things like movies mm-hmm. and TV shows who were such a fan of Veronica Mars that they appeared on it. And really? one of them and one of them is Kevin Smith. Uh-huh. And that kind of tracks because he has been on camera many times. Uh-huh. The other one is Joss Whedon. Oh. Who like plays a like clerk at like a car rental place in one scene in Veronica Mars and he has like dialogue. That's incredible. What a weird thing. Yeah. So this is this is Kevin Smith showing up with the guy who plays Jay. Yep, Jason Muse. Basically come to Degrassi to shoot a film, a high school film. Yeah. Using real real high school actors. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of episodes um that he's in because of this. Like many episodes. Yes. And um, then he like goes away for a while and then comes back. And when he comes back, it's for the premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, in the I'm Upset Drake music video, Jay and Silent Bob are in that music video because okay. of this. Well, now I'm going to watch it. I did not think <laughs> I was going to watch that, but now I will. And so it's the premiere and um, Paige had broken her leg. And so she had been in the movie and uh, Kevin Smith tells her, I'm sorry, but I did cut you out completely, (laughs) which she's not happy about. Uh And she, uh, ironically, that it came to this, got a job, like she said she was going to, seasons before, um, at the movie theater, where she Mm. has become friends with this woman, Alex Nunez who is like one of the poor trashy Degrassi students. Um, she actually ends up staying um, for an extra year to, cause she needs extra classes to graduate and she's trying to bring up her GPA or something. For the listener, Liz did finger quotes when she said poor trashy. Yes. Um, like the, she's referred to as like trailer trash, like in the series of episodes, for example, mm-hmm. Alex has been dating this guy also named Jay um jay (laughs) very small note so she and jay broke up even though they're like really good friends because jay was going down to the ravine uh which is sort of the like backwoods hangout place and had been just there had been all these girls giving him bjs and then he would give them these like rubber bracelets one of which was emma that girl who's the the sort of was the baby in the original degrassi and was the Mm. like the starting point of this series Mm -hmm. And it, she has this incredible line where she gets, um, everybody gets gonorrhea because they've all been giving this guy blowjobs, like a bunch of kid people get gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. And she looks at him and says, you gave me a social disease. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is so funny. Um, so anyway, um. They've broken up. Alex and Paige are getting to be better and better friends. 
they end up going to the premiere together. There's some other less interesting B-plot stuff. And it's so flirty. Alex is, like, pushing her hair behind her ear. Um, Big, big Faith Buffy vibes, by the way. Mm. Alex is very much a Faith. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, darker hair, slightly darker complexion. At one point, they are going they go to the after party which is lame but there's like a vip after party which they get into um through like pretending to be lesbians Mm -hmm. uh, which i'm putting in quotes and um they're like dancing on the floor together and very which is like a very faith buffy thing Mm -hmm. you know as i'm sure you know faith buffy dancing on the dance floor at the bronze is iconic i can picture it they are gonna go back to Paige's house but Alex wants to get different shoes they go back to Alex's ha- like apartment I guess and her mom's passed out on the couch and this is when things might have been hinted at before but Paige's or uh, Alex's mom has very clearly been drinking she's like holding a beer and has clearly passed out her boyfriend Chad had passed out many hours ago Paige ends up sitting with her mom for a while and talking Alex is like very nervous about this um, Chad wakes up the boyfriend and um starts screaming and they are alex is trying to get Paige out of there before she sees anything um there's a bit of a kerfuffle and alex ends up uh slammed to the floor and uh bruises her arm um hurts her arm a little bit and then it cuts to Paige's room and they make out and then it's very weird and Paige is losing her mind and (laughs) this is um I'm bringing up this arc because something that they do that's great with this arc is that um, Paige is clearly struggling with what she is now that she clearly likes Alex, right? But Paige's dating of Alex, which happens twice, they date and then they break up and then they date later, um, is never treated as like a phase. Mm -hmm. Like it's never like, oh, this is the... Like, this is just her, like, phase of being with a woman. It's, mm-hmm. like, pretty much always, like, no, you're probably just bisexual, even though it takes her a while to get to that point. Mm-hmm. She has this hilarious conversation in Media Immersion the next day with Marco. Uh, he's the one who's gay. Yep. And she's like, hey, Marco, um, do you ever think about women? And he's like, did you miss all the years I dated your brother? <laughs> and she's like, no, I mean, I know you like guys, but, like, do you ever, like, just, like, you like think about women like sometimes and he's like is there a girl that likes me mm-hmm. who is it she's like oh um no <laughs> and basically he's like no i don't ever think about women i'm gay <laughs> mm-hmm. like if you're attracted to somebody you're probably just attracted to somebody and then the reason that she and alex end up dating um is because kevin smith says to her I don't know you guys seem really happy together and I think like if you guys are happy together you shouldn't really worry about like what that means for you yet Mm -hmm. and then they date yeah now now we're talking (laughs) now now I'm interested another character that or another sort of thing that like hadn't really been done before and I think they handled it really well for the most part Mm -hmm. um 
Some things that I don't think they handle as well with Paige that I just want to bring up really quickly before I sort of get to some meta topics. Yes. Um, there by, is just in by the, the way. Oh, go ahead. Just by yeah. the way. Yeah. It's okay. It it is it is a very sensitive thing to try to introduce a very young audience to topics like sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There's obviously an understandable, valid, legitimate reason for wanting to do that. To to introduce a young, young target audience to Kevin Smith (laughs) is ill-advised if you want to... Oh, and Will, Will, one of the characters that's in the movie that isn't um that isn't like the Degrassi cast is Alanis Morissette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they've worked together. Yeah, they yeah. and she's Canadian, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, and and she played God in Dogma. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird thing to make yourself accountable for. Uh-huh. Like they must have like the writers the, the and creators of the show, they must have gotten some letters. Like, hey, my kid is 13, loves your show, and now he just watched Chasing Amy, and he has a million (laughs) questions. What the fuck? Why did you do this? I know. Well, and the thing- Your kid is not- My kid's not allowed to watch your show anymore for fear that Quentin Tarantino is going to do a guest spot. So something I don't love about- Something that I, another thing that I think that they do fuck up under Grassy is, you know how Jay, Jason Muse is like kind of a creep? Yeah, he's a creep in the show. That's funny. I mean, that's not, like these... that's not good, but it is funny. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's kind of like the whole time it's everyone sort of like, ugh, but it's still like, dude, stop looking at these teenage girls, my dude. Mm-hmm. Um, who are like real life teenage girls, not even like, right. you know. 25 year olds playing 16 year olds not like yes so here's the arc with Paige that they do that's like confusing and bad and like you sort of like hate watch it Mm. which is that in between the trial and when she starts dating alex she has a relationship with a teacher oh cool (laughs) his name's matt oleander and why does that sound like you made it up Mr. Oleander. Hmm. And he's like, oh, I forget what he teaches, but is that, he like, sorry, is now a good time to point out that in the Oscars episode, I said Emerald Fennel was the writer director <laughs> of yeah. uh Promising Young Woman. And we did that a, sounds fake. we did a whole riff on that. And and by the way, to no one's surprise, I found out that it is pronounced Fennel. <laughs> In my defense, it is F E N N E L L. Yeah, why wouldn't you say which that? Which looks fennel? just like fennel, a a with an extra L. With an extra L, yes, but it resembles it, even if even if it's not identical to the word that I know, fennel. Mm-hmm. But also, yes, it it would also be reasonable to believe that there's another way to pronounce that, and it's and that's the other way is probably more correct. Yeah. So anyway, Mr. Oleander. So yeah, she like I forget what class he teaches, but like she um 
he teaches like an after school yoga class that she he she starts taking okay. and just like it's another thing where she sort of like really goes after him and he's this like really goofy he's like i guess like moderately handsome like he doesn't look like um and he's like a younger teacher but he doesn't look like he's not like the most dashing guy but he also doesn't look like snake does for example mm-hmm. where he's just like a goofy dad at this point yeah um they like almost they like make out after a dance at one point she goes to his apartment and it's like raining and his apartment's leaky and he's like i'm poor <laughs> <laughs> And then mm-hmm. he, like, kind of, then they date for, like, a while. Mm. And, like, he goes out to, tr- he, like, clearly he gets fired from school, but they're, like, still dating. And it's, a, it's like, a mess. Like, that's not a great, po- that's, like, one of those ones where I'm, like, like, the thing is, is, like, when you have 385 episodes, not including, I think, next class, right. you're going to have some some misses. <laughs> yeah, like a, like a soap opera. Yeah. Like, yeah, it might not be on for an hour you know, four days a week or or whatever, but there's you know enough longevity there, yeah, to be like, oh, they went to some weird places where like <laughs> there was you know somebody had an evil twin, yeah, and uh, you know, it's because they were scraping the bottom of the barrel of ideas because they had yeah, and to. I, I guess I'm curious why this particular plot line comes up when it does because there's like plenty of other stuff so like other sort of things that happen at degrassi there's that school shooting like i said which um, they also i was about to say which they also did on glee but then i i sort of stopped myself because i remembered <laughs> i remembered how they did their school shooting episode oh which is that um, which is that it was actually just a gun misfiring oh at the yeah school. no this is like this is like this kid rick um is like going yeah. to shoot people and mm-hmm. he does he shoots jimmy brooks yeah um do you know who guest directed an episode of glee kevin smith joss whedon oh yeah there there you go that makes sense maybe kevin smith he, too i'm not aware of that <laughs> who, who can say <laughs> no one it's a mystery. um you, you know people get pregnant and give up the baby for adoption um there are teachers, there's there's like an arc later where there's a coach that's acting inappropriately with a student in a way that's very clearly bad and it's very clearly played as bad and it's like much better arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's drug use. Um, Spinner at one point gets cancer and starts smoking pot because um, the nausea medication that they give him makes him fall asleep and he doesn't want to have to drop out of Degrassi. Um, there's, you know, things like cancer, um, infidelity, like among your parents, um, Emma finds her father. Oh, this is very small side side note. Emma's father isn't in this thing. And it's, it's this really weird thing where she goes to try to find her father and then finds out that he's essentially in like a assisted living facility because in the original series, he did acid one night and jumped out of the building and had a head injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really funny to watch it as you're only, cause there's plenty of people that watch next generation that only watch next generation. Right. So it was this weird, like this piece of information already existed, but like it was a surprise to all of us. Right. 
So yeah, there's like plenty of stuff that happens. They didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't have to do this plot line. Yeah, but you know, there's a there's another side to that coin, which is they did almost everything else. <laughs> so how could they not do that? Yeah. So that's pretty much all I want to talk about with Paige, but I do want to bring up a couple of sort of like greater points here. Okay. Um, the first of which is that I keep saying that like no other show has done stuff like this, um, or at least, and definitely not at the time. You know what I mean? Like some of the representation of like queer people, especially, um, this was very early for that to be happening mm-hmm. in terms of like media representation. Mm-hmm. When I say that it can't happen, it couldn't happen. The thing is, literally, I mean that. So, now we're going to talk about the episode, um, the important episode with Manny, which is, there is an episode where um, Manny really, really wants to be with that Craig guy. Craig's dating Ashley. Craig and Manny end up sleeping together, and she gets pregnant. And um, inevitably decides to get an abortion. And that episode was not aired in the United States until two and a half years later. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know how I said that there were like minisodes and webisodes? Yeah. They basically played all of the B plots yeah. from those episodes as minisodes so that there wouldn't be any continuity. <laughs> right. And when it did eventually air in the United States, um, it aired very sneakily like it was sort of like quietly placed into this like block of like fan favorites and cassie Steele had picked that as her favorite Mm -hmm. um and i cannot find evidence of this Mm. but i remember it so i'm going to tell you the first time i i swear it was the first time i saw Paige's arc i saw it in one episode Mm. And Lauren Collins, the actress, was like, it like played the the rape stuff from season two. Mm-hmm. Lauren Collins, the actress, did a little explanation mm-hmm. and said like, here's a hotline number to call. Right. They did the season three stuff. She did another little explanation and they did the season four stuff. And it was like an hour long. Like a special. Special. Mm-hmm. That I feel certain, which I know is not the way it aired in Canada. And I. I can't find information. I don't know if this, like, they made this as, like, uh, like, supplemental thing mm-hmm. so that you could see all of it at once. Yeah. But I definitely saw this once, and I can't find any information about this existing, but I know I saw it. Right. And you mentioned before that there are, like, movies, and that the movies might come in between, like, seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very much, like, in line with that, where, the, where somebody saw these episodes and said you know if you if 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 these episodes were not you know a a year apart you know twice over and you just strung them together then you'd have like a short movie yeah Uh, for sure so why don't we do that and like air it as like a special engagement that's like that's that that is not dissimilar to i feel that the last two episodes of season three of Breaking Bad, mm. if if I just watch those two episodes, which is kind of a two-parter back-to-back, that's one of my favorite movies. 
Oh yeah, I know what you mean. I yeah. consider I consider that one of my favorite movies to watch those two episodes together. Yeah, and I that must have been yeah that must have been it. But so when I say that like it couldn't be done, like I think that if it hadn't already been like made in Canada, it never would have gotten past like the development stage in America. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so this is also one of those things where I want to point out like. The parts that we're talking about are all happening before 2010 for the for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and as early as 2002. Right. And so when I say, too, that the show does it better, I'm I'm also I also want to put it in that time context. Right. Um, but that said, again, I still like, you know, there there's more options now. But like right. when I think of shows that like like when I think of a show that like really deals with like queerness i think of like steven universe which is a cartoon i don't mean to downplay that art form at all because clearly i love steven universe um but like in terms of just like kids go like actors that are played by actors that that are their age that are going to school that are like living their life and there's nothing supernatural there's nothing magical um i think that there's like nothing there's like Degrassi's unpa- like unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more options today is the context that I think is worth mentioning that I sort of bring to watching it sure, now yeah. as an outsider who never watched it at the time. I, w- mm-hmm. I sort of watch it through the lens of, oh, okay, as uh, like about 20 years ago, or 15, or even 10 years ago, uh, this medium of like half hour drama for young people mm-hmm. was like an important vessel for this type of story. It was one tool in a very shallow toolbox for like getting these lessons and these narratives in front of kids, you know, teenagers. Whereas today, um, there's, you know, media has- There's so much media. Media has not only expanded, but like exploded. Exponentially Yeah, into so many fragmented structures Mm -hmm. that, uh, that this type of show seems- weird to to me it seems weirdly like an artifact that represents like i can't believe that this was ever even considered viable what do you oh really i mean it's just like a 22 minute tv show that's like a very standard yeah but you had me watch the episodes that were about this like heavy topic oh yeah so uh i sort of have it in my head that this is a show where they take very serious subject matter and they like package it for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a weird way of doing that. Like, okay. like this, the, like for example, the, I, this is not literally what happens, but my impression mm-hmm. of it was it's some, it's close to a, 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 you know, 16 year old girl saying like, I can't believe I have to confront my rapist in court, 
cut to the theme song is really jazzy whatever it takes whatever it i know i can make it it sounds like sesame street the theme song sounds like sesame street or allegra's window or something and also it's worth noting that did you notice the difference in the openings between the second and fourth season are you referring to in the second season the title of the show is over a child's butt no i was referring to the actual song oh no i wasn't listening to the lyrics that closely so that song changes they like updated every 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 few seasons okay where they change like how it's being sung and if it's being sung at all there's like a very weird part towards the end of like jimmy's jimmy like the drake era where the opening isn't that sort of like pan from character to character Mm -hmm. it's just like everybody's faces showing up against a white background and them going like and and it's like terrible and they got rid of it after like two seasons yeah it's very bad yeah uh, so yeah, but but basically my point being, I think it's a it seems to me from my outsider's perspective like a weird artifact today, mm-hmm. because it just doesn't seem like I understand I understand the desire to give young people narratives about these serious topics that will mm-hmm. instill in them you know, uh, good, good beliefs around those topics, you know, the, the, it's not your fault. And, and because you said, no, it was rape. And, and for, you know, a lot of young people that was probably like first exposure to that idea. And maybe that's, they latched onto that and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the impulse, the product just strikes me a, a little funny because of what I was saying before about like the A plot is this girl get, gets raped and the B plot is like two little kids playing out the odd couple with a locker that they share, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't, in our sort of weird, fractured, exploded media landscape, I don't think we stand as much for things that, like mix those tones mm. for for such a young for such a young audience there's a, a little bit of whiplash um in in the uh, and it i don't know i just don't expect something to be made for kids and mm-hmm. to be you know not only addressing such serious topics but like really like writing characters who like go through it you know yeah Rather than just like a very special episode where like a guest talks about it or something. Mm-hmm. By the way, JT gets stabbed later and dies. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> real. Like, you know, if you just lifted, if you just took out all of the details of like the age of the characters uh-huh. and, you know, how they know each other and and where these things take place, if you just took out the plot details i think you could easily lay out an explanation of the show that would make someone think out of context that it was like an hbo drama yeah 
and not a a show that aired on Teen Nick. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention that's completely unrelated, but it made me think of it when I brought up JT dying. Yes. What is her actress's name? I should know this, but I don't. There's a character, Nina Dobrev. Do you know who Nina Dobrev is? Yes, because I watched The Vampire Diaries. She's on the show. She's a dead ringer for, like, for Catherine. For like two seasons. She's what? <laughs> She's a dead ringer for Catherine, which is something that was said once on The Vampire Diaries, but then they repeatedly, over and over, put it on the previously on Vampire Diaries. Oh. So just... <laughs> 100 times you see this one character say she's a dead ringer for Catherine. so she she's the only other actress that i would say left and kept acting Uh but she actually left degrassi to do the vampire diaries good for her so it was not like um like she like they had to like cut her um arcs i think a little bit shorter than they would have vampire diaries a lot like glee for me a show that I watched with almost equal parts sincere investment and irony and did not see through to the end, but watched for almost probably almost the exact same amount of time. Like I think I made it four seasons in and then abandoned ship. I think I'm going to watch the vampire diaries at some point. It's something that's always sort of been on my list. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of like, this is something I can watch when I'm like doing other things and I'll feel like really good about it. I remember I'm doing that with, I'm doing that with orange is the new black right now. Okay. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Fair enough. I remember thinking that they made some interesting choices on, on vampire (laughs) diaries. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's my Degrassi episode. Um, I, I, I'm not by any standard saying the show's perfect. I think that the show is silly um but i also think that uh it's very careful and i think um the writing is good um when it especially when it has to be careful um and i'm i love it and i enjoy uh talking about it with you especially when we do get to clown on it <laughs> yeah uh so tune in uh to the smug buds next month in may and watch us on twitch twitch.tv slash smugbuds. we also have a youtube page where i upload the expired twitch vods not all of them but most of them and um buy liz's book and read it oh yeah i have a book you should buy my book it's a year old now Happy anniversary to, uh, or birthday, perhaps. I've been calling it, yeah, book anniversary. Happy book anniversary to Ashley Sugarnotch and the Wolf. When it when was the actual what? April seventh. Oh, okay. So it's this month. So we yeah. we chose the right month to say it. Mm-hmm. And um, I love you, and I'll see you in a month. Who knows what we'll be talking about? I perhaps I do, but also I don't want to say in case I change my mind. <laughs> bye, Will. Bye, bye. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngestofone, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.